Well, welcome into a new season, not just a new episode, a new season of the Dream, Create, Enjoy podcast. Uh, I'm Drew, and I'm joined by... Jacob. And yes, it's not Jace. I actually got to talk to Jace earlier, and he was like, did I just get like replaced on the podcast? I was like, kind of. Yes, uh, he did, <laughs> just to clarify that. No, Jace is running Common Good Co. now, doing amazing things, and so... he's. He's a, yeah, busy. He, he's a little busy, but he is going to be on some episodes later on. So you'll still hear his voice. He's still around. Um, but yes, he is. He's been replaced. So I, I'm excited. Um, Jacob's going to kind of give a preview of the entire season before we actually have an interview. And we talk in this episode uh, with Fabricio Pice, one of our microchurch leaders. But it's this is cool for me because I, I was looking back. I think August was the end of in 2021 of our season two. And even going back, we started recording this podcast pretty quickly after we arrived. And Renaissance is in a much different place <laughs> than it was when we actually first started recording. A lot of the early stuff was like theory and like, hey, here's what we hope happens. Mm-hmm. And now some of it's actually happening. It is actually happening. And that's what we want to tell you about. <laughs> we want to tell you the stories of what's actually happening that we haven't been babbling the past two seasons that this stuff on the ground actually works. And so what we're gonna be doing this season is we're gonna be highlighting stories from the Renaissance network of communities because there are some amazing people that call Renaissance home that are starting new initiatives, that are embodying the way of Jesus in their neighborhood and are able to um, showcase the beauty of Christ where they live, work and play. And so it looks like lots of different ways, depending on the person's personality type and their neighborhood and where they're located in Boston. And so we want to bring those to you so you can be inspired where you are and how we can all, whether it's talking about neighborhood presence, whether it's talking about starting new things, whether it's talking about the inherent sacrifice of mission and how hard it can be to, to do this thing we call following Jesus in our neighborhoods Uh, We want to highlight those stories. So you'll be hearing from lots of different people. Some episodes will be Drew interviewing people. Some episodes will be uh, myself interviewing people. But you definitely want to stay tuned because we're really excited for what we have coming. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a fun season. And yes, it is. uh, It's going to be cool to actually talk in reality about what's actually being practiced, what's actually being lived I tell people early on Renaissance was kind of like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. It was just something we talked about, but yeah, it wasn't real. And now it actually is becoming something. So it's it's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, you're going to get to hear some of those stories. Well, this episode, we're talking about neighborhood presence a lot uh, with Fabricio. So why don't we just real quickly have, have a little bit of fun, answer a question uh, before he jumps on. What is, uh, what's a fun part of your neighborhood, Jacob, that most people wouldn't know about? So I live on the south side of Waltham, uh, which is a great place to be. And actually, I was thinking about this question today. And as the weather gets warmer, uh, we live right across from the Watch Factory, one of the most historical buildings in the United States. And right next to it is the Charles River. And so sometimes early in the morning, if we leave our windows open, you'll hear these uh, people screaming on intercoms and you're like what is going on and you walk down to the river I have a dog I walk all the time and it's these rowing teams from all the local schools that are just screaming across what that is, you I forget, hear isn't there a name for the people with the megaphone that's something really weird I don't know. 
What? Coxon. Coxon. There you go. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. the coxons are yeah. crowing. Our, assi- our, assi- <laughs> our assistant. I knew it was a really weird term. I just couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. And so it echoes all throughout the neighborhood. And so you uh, can't leave your windows open. Otherwise, you'll get woken up, which is really funny. But it's cool to see that. And it's cool to see how much uh, the neighborhood comes to life as we enter into spring. Yeah. Have you gone to the Charles River Regatta yet? Uh you need to. It's really cool. Thousands yeah. of people up and down the Charles rooting on rowers. Like, yeah, before I moved yeah. here, there's all kinds of things that I didn't realize were a big deal. Rowing okay. was one of them. There you go. <laughs> and another fun fact on the Charles is there used to be a uh, dance club on the Charles, and it burnt down. But you can still see all the spikes of the pier where it was. And uh, now geese just stand, among, stand on them all day and crap on them, which is <laughs> the, the theme of the Charles River. <laughs> yeah, it does smell a lot. Like, yeah. Uh, I, know, I know a church that did baptisms when you're in the Charles, and then they called the city and found out, like, you might have given someone like a third eye or something by like <laughs> baptizing them in the Charles. So not a good, not a good idea. Um, yeah, I, I live on the other side of Waltham, um, on the other side of the river, I should say. I used to live on the south side. I'm now in Bank Square is the little neighborhood that I'm a part of. And uh, honestly, I mean, my favorite part of where I live is it's super diverse and I can walk. Um, I'm right off one of the main drags through the city. And so we can walk to literally everything and, um, you know, including up what was one of, there used to be like 40 ski hills in, uh, inside 95 in, um, around Boston. And one of those old ski hills is Prospect Hill. Um, I can actually walk up that hill. I run up it sometimes and almost die, but we can walk up it and it's probably one of the best views of Boston and the entire city you can find. And so it's pretty cool. Um, and unless you're from from the area, you probably wouldn't know to to go that way. And there's actually some secret paths through different neighborhoods from Bank Square up through the Highlands, and you can actually go and view it. So it's a cool thing. Um, and um, honestly, we also my wife and I have just recently discovered Tessie's uh, right around the corner from us, which has become a fun pub. Uh, they open all the windows and. When we're trying to escape our girls, we we like let my mother-in-law watch them, and we run to Tessie's to go hang out. So it's becoming a new new neighborhood haunt that I I love. So so great example. I live in Waltham, never heard of Tessie's <laughs> neighborhood haunt. Need to go. Yes, yes, it's pretty good. So well, when we come back uh, after the intro, we're gonna hear from Fab, and he's gonna be telling us about East Boston that he calls home, and a little bit of what it looks like to actually be rooted in our neighborhoods. Welcome into the Dream, Create, Enjoy podcast. This podcast is an extension of Renaissance. We're a family of microchurches around the greater Boston area. We dream together of God using every kind of person to create communities of unconditional belonging who enjoy the freedom found in the life Christ offers us. Every episode, we'll explore themes related to starting and sustaining those types of communities and what it means to be the church in our unique cultural moment. To find out more about us, head to wearerenaissance.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy the episode. Well, as promised, we are getting to talk to Fabricio Pice, 
And uh, yeah, Jacob's getting to actually watch us. So this is a little intimidating, like sitting in the room with him. Uh, we've there got should a, be a spy cam in yeah, here there watching should, us. There should be. Uh, so Fab, why don't you very quickly, if people have listened to the podcast, have followed Renaissance at all, they've seen your face, they've heard your voice. Uh, I actually did some digging. It was episode three, all the way back at episode three, you kind of talked to us but uh, and kind of told your story. But why don't you just really quickly, for those who don't know who you are, introduce yourself and so they get to know you a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Drew. Um, my name's Fabricio Pice, and I live in East Boston, have lived there my whole life. If you go back and watch the episode, you'll know just how much I love Eastie. Um, I participate in a microchurch called Emmaus in our neighborhood where we intend to walk alongside people as Christ and live life with them, eat with them, and hope that someday, kind of like the story in the road to Emmaus, that their eyes would be opened and that they would notice that Christ has been there with them the whole time. So we want to be Christ for people in their lives as much as we can. Um, married, my wife Kimberly, I've got two boys, Oliver and Elijah, and they are very much two young boys, so they keep me busy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've gotten to watch that. So yes, that, that's not a lie. Um, we brought you on. This whole episode is about neighborhood presence. And we're going to talk a little bit about collaboration as well. But major, you know, really about being rooted in our everyday lives. And that's a big theme for you. Uh, again, going back to that episode, you um, left doing traditional church. And unlike you know, like we, I think we had a little bit of a clear vision. I was going with, with support and saying, this is what I'm, I'm starting a network. You were just like, nope, I'm committed to my neighborhood. So why don't you talk a little bit about why you believe neighborhood is important to the mission of Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when we, we go back and we look at Christ's time in his ministry, at least, right? You know, most three, three and a half years, whatever it was. I wasn't a good Bible um, student in college. So he he spent time going to people in their contacts in these towns and cities, right? And he would um, find people to spend time with. And he would have dinner and people call them sinners. You know, I just think that they were people. And he would meet them where they were. He would heal them where they were. You know, he wasn't making people come to him. And thinking about the example that Jesus gave in his life and in his ministry, you know, we we have spent so much time, and, and I think we've done it with pure intentions and a good heart, but we've spent so much time creating these um, sites, you know, churches, where we are expecting people to come to us with their hurts and their pains and their struggles. And, you know, I just read all throughout the Bible, go, right? And for me, being so involved in church ministry, you know, again, I think I've, I've outlined in the past all the things I've done, but they got in the way of me being present with my community, with my neighbors, with, with those people who are hurting and struggling so that's what I wanted to do. And, and you know, when I stepped down from, from various things that I was participating in, in our more traditional church model, you know, I said, hey, I, I want to be a 
volunteering in my neighborhood. I want to have time, the, the little extra time that I have to be spent with those people that I live with because I want them to know Christ. And the reality is they're not going to travel to whatever church building I'm at to come meet me. So I wanted to go meet them. Yeah, no, that's good. <clears throat> I mean, you're giving, I think, a practical embodiment of what we believe from a theological position. You know, we talk a lot, if anyone's gone through our training, about uh, our God being a sent and sending God, um, that he came to us, John 1, 14. Uh, I love the way the message says it, that he took on flesh and bone and moved into the neighborhood. He drew near to us, entered our lives, our pain, our suffering. And then you bookend that in the Gospel of John. And I love Roland Smith um, calls it a better great commission, John 20 and 21. As the Father sent me, just as I drew near to you, now I am sending you. Um, and th- that's when we start to take that on, that this is the, the how Jesus has done ministry. The Father has sent the Son. He now sends us out. Later on there in John 20, he talks about us receiving the Holy Spirit. We were sent with the Spirit. That's how God operates and works. And so I think you're, you're talking about that in a great way. And I also think there's just a practical side to it. Like, uh, I think so many of us want to see the world change. And there's so much, like, global language in the church. And I think that's, and even city language. Like, every church I know now is like, we heart, insert city. Uh, but I don't think that's a unit of change that's very, like, doable for most of us. Like, we don't know, like, what does that look like? That's so huge. You know, we could probably, you know, it's, it's great. It's our heart's in the right place. We could spend the rest of our lives trying to change our city. We're probably not going to change our city. Um, not to be a downer. But I can change my block. Right. I can change my, you know, maybe I can change, a, like, one facet of my neighborhood or one problem that's a unit of change that's manageable and where it's like okay i can wrap around my mind around hey here's 15 neighbors you know and their families that i have near me that i can or here's this you know i think i know you've talked about this housing development near you that you know that those are manageable units of change and so i love uh what you're saying is you've reduced you know your vision and it's, you know, some people might say you're being, you know, not, you should, you don't have as grand of a vision. You're not trusting God. He's big. He can do anything. Well, also, yeah, most of us aren't actually doing anything either. We're talking well, about That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Your vision's only as good as the practice you put into it. Yeah. And, you know, it's fine to have grand visions, but what, what can you actually implement and how can you live that out? I think that's a, a much different question. And it's easier for us to live in this theory environment where we just talk about what we want to do or talk about what God's going to do when, in fact, he's called us to go do things. Um, He actually calls us to go do things before we have the right answers. You know, when we think about the disciples that come and follow me and then along the way, they quote unquote learn things. They actually don't even know it all by the end anyways. They're still all messed up, but they did a lot of stuff. Right. So there's this call to action that we can um, hide behind vision and not act if we just talk a big vision game. So, and I'm guilt. I'm I'm the first guilty party of that. So, uh, oh, I think we've I think we've all been there. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny you say that. Use this scent language because, you know, for anybody who knows me, the second they meet me, they know that I'm all about. I've been I've lived in Eastie my whole life, 
And I said before, and you, and you reiterate, like, I, I feel sent to East Liberal. I was already there. But I don't remember if I shared this or not. Growing up, I just wanted to get out. Boston was not this cool, developed, awesome place when I was growing up. Was, nobody wanted it. People were getting out. People didn't stay. People, you know, came to college. It's always been a great college town. Amazing schools, amazing hospitals. They came, they got what they needed, and they left. So it's a different Boston today. Um, but when God called me, sent me to East Boston, which I didn't want to be in, <laughs> I wanted to be some cool mega church pastor guy, right? He, you know, he, he worked in my heart and made me realize that there, and, and still works on my heart every day, you know, to know that there are people around me. There are people that need to know his love tangibly through my actions and through how I live my life. Cool. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, you, number one, could have totally been a mega church guy. You know, you're cool enough to, to have the vibe, but I'm glad, I'm glad God took your heart a different way. He did. <laughs> um, real quickly, uh, we're going to get to, we always, uh, we start with the negative. And so we're talking a lot about the negative here in a minute. We're going to take a break, get to the positive side and talk about what this actually looks like uh, and not just... Um, crap on everyone's uh, way of doing ministry. Yeah. But I, I would just really quickly, uh, would you give an example? You've been here, I've only been here uh, for a few years. You've been here for most of your life. How have you seen this gone wrong when when the church focuses on just attracting, pulling people away, you know, being hypermobile, focused on their programs more than their presence? What, how, you know, uh, in a couple of minutes, just real quickly explain what, what you've seen go on in the city. Yeah, so for, for those of you who may not know, you probably do know, New England in general is a very liberal, post-Christian area. And then you narrow down into Boston, and you're talking about one of the least, you know, Barna's done many studies. I think we're only behind Providence in the least biblical city in the entire country. So... The, the the models where, you know, there's this cultural context of Christianity, you know, just permeating throughout communities and, and people may have grown up in church and left. That's not our reality here per se. And when people come in with this idea that, well, number one, here we are to save Boston, right? Like we're going to change the world or we're going to change Boston, God's already here. God's already working. There are faithful pastors who have been living in the city for decades, serving the least of these. So who are we to say, oh, yeah, we're going to come do something different that God's not already doing. Don't come at me with that. Um, <laughs> but, and I, and I say that, and you know, because I'm guilty of wanting to have done that somewhere else. But um, I, I've just seen, you know, a handful of, churches who have done, you know, when we th think about the church planning models, have done it all the right way and even had some initial success where maybe they got two to 300 people gathered in a room and we're putting on a great Sunday event. And quite frankly, though, we're just really pulling Christians who are attending other churches that weren't as polished or didn't have as great of programming. But... Um, you know, how effective were they necessarily in reaching unchurched people? I, I would say probably not super effective based on here we are five, ten years later. Some of those churches have shrunk significantly. A lot of pastors have quit and left because 
you know, the, the metrics that we count, Bibles or baptism, butts, and I don't know what the other yeah. B is, yeah. whatever. Butts, budgets. Budget, whatever. Yeah, yeah. that money. Buildings. Yeah. Buildings, yeah. all the Bs. Yeah. <laughs> they don't happen. I got some other B words, but they don't, they don't happen here, unfortunately. You know, I had a conversation with somebody today who talked to me about... You know, they're moving here and, and they're fundraising. I said, I'll tell you what, you better start prepping these people because whatever OKRs and KPIs, whatever metrics, there's another word that they may be expecting, if their give, if their gift to you is dependent on well, how you report back, you're gonna lose your money pretty quick. Yep. And that is not to say that God again, God is not moving here, but there's a long road. So people have come in, they have tried to build these programs, but they haven't rooted in the neighborhoods, right? And you mentioned early, you know, I love Boston. Boston is made up of over 20 distinct neighborhoods with each having their own culture and feel and um, socioeconomic, you know, status, um, immigrants in some, not in the others. It's so different. So to say you're going to save Boston means nothing because like Boston is not one single thing. And that's true here in Waltham and in greater Boston as well, right? all around us there's so things can be so different and diverse so in order to know how is God moving in a neighborhood how is God moving in the people around us we need to be rooted we need to be there present with them and we're probably getting into some things we'll talk about in a second but um, if, if our initial step isn't to go in humbly learn what what is going on around us what are the hurts who are the people that are there um, not just the struggles, what do they celebrate, right? Like, what do they love? What do they care about? Where is their heart at? Who are we to come in and say, oh, we're here to save or redeem something if, if we're not participating with what God's already doing? Yeah, you know? and, I, and I think what you're talking about right there at the end, and that's a whole nother, we could have a whole nother podcast just on that, is our expanded view of the gospel, that we're not just presenting a series of propositions and saying, believe this, walk an aisle, say a prayer, but that we believe God is after the restoration and renewal of all things. And so to do that fundamentally means you have to actually be rooted in the places God has you so that you actually know and can partner with the Spirit to do that, which is really what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the episode. So yeah. uh, we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to get into the weeds of what it could look like and some things that we coach anybody can do from a very practical level to make that happen. Well, as we just said, we were going to come back and actually talk about the solution, not just talk about problems. It's easy to define all the things that are going wrong. We want to talk about how we kind of reclaim kind of the ancient way of Jesus, what he's calling us into. And so uh, we're going to talk about that. I'm actually really excited about the conversation that we're going to be having because this is introducing on the podcast something that we believe strongly in. And we're actually in the process. We've had a number of people go through our coaching pathway, but we're actually in the process of rewriting that and kind of creating a new iteration, um, introducing some new practices based off stuff we've learned. Uh, we, we kind of reused and borrowed some material from Forge America. We're still using some of that, but now that we've been doing it for a while, we're, we're kind of reshaping things the way we want. 
And so we're going to be talking about four P's that we believe are just like an easy way for us to practically live rooted lives, uh, kind of understand our neighborhood as our uh, the place God wants to use us. And it's just simply pace, presence, participation, and praxis. And if you're not, you don't know what praxis means, it just means practice over theory. So again, those are pace, presence, participation, and praxis. And so we're going to talk about this is stuff you can actually live out as a microchurch and just personally in your neighborhood. And the first one, and Fab, I'm just going to ask you some questions based off all of these and we can kind of banter back and forth. But the first one of pace, we're really just talking about slowing down uh, rather uh, than adding something more to our lives that we want to just first kind of uh, find rest and peace so that we can increase our awareness of ourselves, of our surroundings. And then ultimately where God's actually at work. And I was just sharing with you guys in the break, uh, some of what inspired this was uh, John Tyson. He's a minister, I think, Church of the City in New York. And talked a lot about when you start talking about mission in people in the suburbs or in rural areas, a lot of times they have a lot more margin. They're just kind of stuck in um, maybe the monotony, or I call it suburbianity, the, the suburbianity of life. Everything looks the same. They're going through routine. They need to be activated. They need more purpose. They need more on their schedule. They, you know, you're, you're trying to activate them towards mission. But when you're dealing with people in the city, like we know, everybody I know works a ton of hours. Everyone is going full throttle. There's so many things that are happening in your life, so much noise. And so he talks a lot about for city people, urban people, you need to actually invite them to slow down into mission. And I think that yeah, seems counterintuitive to most of us, but this is that first step of like, oh, let me take a deep breath and realize that God doesn't need me to add a bunch of things on my schedule to serve him. He first just wants me to recognize where he already has me. So I, I'd be interested, have you, is, this a, is that a struggle for you? You've lived in Eastie in the middle of the city for a long time. And do you feel like sometimes you move too fast and actually miss people that God's got around you all the time. I mean, have you ever heard me talk? I mean, do I move too fast? First of all, I just want to say, I think the only reason you invited me for this podcast is because my last name is Pice, and we're talking about the four Ps and Pice and Pace. Um, but in all seriousness... Do you have any other Ps you want to add? Well, no, not today. Um, the slowing down is a significant struggle for me. You know, I think about I, I've got my job... You know, then I've got these two young boys who, who, who are like very energetic and running around. We'll get a little bit into, into like how I'm involved in my neighborhood later, but there's so many activities I could be participating in on a daily basis, really, and that I do many times that it's so easy to become task oriented and thinking about what's the next thing on my calendar, what's the next thing on my schedule. I am very much a um, time anxious person. So it's like if I got to be somewhere at three, I start thinking about it at like 1230. So all I can focus on is where I have to be at three o'clock. And, and what that does is it creates this tunnel vision where there may be things going on to my left and my right that I don't even see because I'm moving mm -hmm. too quickly. And I do really have to, and this is a, this is a hard practice for me, but I have to sometimes be very intentional about slowing down and even in my commute you know i i try to get up early and and walk and and i'll go work out and there's a gym down my street um 
and I'll walk it. And instead of just like being on my phone and print, you know, I'll keep my eyes open and look around. And I've met a couple neighbors that way, just stopping saying hello and talking to them. And um, if we aren't allowing room and space for, for the Holy Spirit to prompt us, then, you know, we're going to miss all the opportunities that we talk about. Again, you know, all these theories that we're going to be rooted in our neighborhood. But if you're just running from point A to point B, then you're never going to see where God may be opening up a door, an opportunity to have a conversation or to get to know someone or to serve someone, you know? Well, I think, and actually jumping in, I think that's actually key. You, you talked about that before the break about how, how can we actually know what our neighborhood needs? How can we know where there's brokenness, where there's a need? And I think, uh, unfortunately, I've heard people use this even in the city, talking about spiritually colonizing. And I think a lot of the way that Christians come across is I have all the answers. I already know what's best for you. I already know what's best for this neighborhood. I'm going to come in and dag on it. I'm going to do it. I've got, I'm going to play my cards. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I, I don't think that's, that's not the Jesus that I read about. And I mean, obviously we know colonizing is a it's just a cringeworthy word because yeah. we know what that means. Yeah. I actually view, we need to cult, we, we like to use the word cultivate. And I tell people one of the best metaphors, um, the documentary Biggest Little Farm, if you've never seen it, is just this couple who tries to create a sustainable farm in California on this like basically inhabitable land. And so much of the, the documentary is they're attuned to what the land needs. And they're always introducing flora or fauna, plants or animals that are going to bring balance and harmony and health. So they're, they're just viewing it as like this small little plot of land that I'm, you know, responsible for. It'd be great if other people do the same thing. I'm just going to constantly be, I, I've got, I understand the ecology. I've got my pulse on it. And what if we viewed our neighborhoods that way? If that's the way we kind of in Jesus said, Hey, I, I'm, I've got my hands in the dirt, so to speak so often that I know when something feels out of balance and now I want to like help kind of restore that to what I think King Jesus would, if he, if he was fully in reign and rule of my neighborhood, what he would want. And I don't think we think that way, but to get that, like you're saying, we first have to like, with all the noise and all the chaos and all the cool other things that we could do, we have to yeah. actually put some limits on our life. Yeah, you do. You have to say no to things. You have to turn things down sometimes you know, it's funny you were just mentioning that. The, the word that came to mind for me was, I don't want to get political, but sometimes we talk about flyover states. And I think we've treated our neighborhoods like flyover states where like our cool church is somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And we like leave our neighborhood all the time and go to like our, our church. And then we're in this bubble where we're hearing all these things about what we think our problems and what we think God is dealing with. And then we fly back over through our neighborhood back to our home. And we never spend any time actually learning the neighborhood and learning who are the people that live there, right? And we just kind of forget about them. And then we think we represent them, but we don't even know who they are. That's, you know, just what, just okay. kind of what came to mind. Or, or a perfect example. Yeah, like I, I can imagine just, I, I almost view it as like a tourist versus like a local, yeah. Like if a tourist comes to Boston, they they're gonna do the Freedom Trail, or hey, go to I, Mike's Pastry. We go to Mike's Pastry, or hey, I googled. I'm gonna drive up to Assembly Row because there's all these cool shops there. Right. 
well, that's not Boston. Nope. Like, you know, like you're going to miss out on what really is there and how often we kind of treat our spirituality that way. Yeah. Like, where's the cool church? Where are the cool things happening? And we neglect the very place has us. Well, moving on to that, that's actually, um, we're kind of already starting to touch on that second P, which is presence. Then I'm, I slow myself down and we could talk about that for an hour about the need for us to create margin and space and place some limits on our lives. But then I want to heighten my awareness so that I can actually notice, I can be present, but I also notice the spirit's presence. And that's one of the languages we're always saying is, you know, can I name like, this is the place where the spirit's moving or where God's leading. And can I join him there? Um, in which we're going to talk about participation in a minute. But I, I, uh, th- that's all new for me. So I would actually, you, you came from an AG background. I like my, I grew yeah. up, we were afraid of the Holy Spirit. Not us. So <laughs> I'm, I'm like learning, I'm like learning, uh, the beauty of discovering the Holy Spirit. But the way we're talking about it is maybe a lot different than either one of our, yeah. our traditions have traditionally thought about the Holy Spirit. So it's less of just like something performative or something that happens within the confines of, a Sunday morning, I actually go out trying to find where God might be, where the Spirit might be moving. I'd be interested to hear your he thoughts. He will do greater things than even I have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, yeah. So we look at his, you know, what he did. A lot of it was out serving, right, people. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, th- I, th- I think about presence and, and slowing down, and that's something I've had to focus on, and, and that's the reason I stepped down from being on a church board, from being on a teaching team, from being on a worship team, whatever laundry list of things I've done, uh, because I wanted to be rooted in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, when I think about East Boston, for example, it's changing. It's, you know, we were, you know, you text me the other day, we're on the cover of the globe. Why? Because we're just getting gentrified, right? We have the best view of the city on the water that, and, and all of that was undeveloped. And, and now we've developed it all and, and, and housing prices are, are through the roof and people are getting pushed out of their rental homes because developers are buying and want to flip. And, you know, there's so there's there's a, a changing dynamic in our neighborhood where the immigrant population is decreasing day by day. And you have um, middle class, you know, professional young urban professionals moving in, which, you know, I don't blame them, but there's a there's a dichotomy right now in our neighborhood happening as we speak. We've got one of the highest food insecurities in the entire city. You know, we've got kids who sometimes their meals come from school and they don't know what dinner is going to be. So when we think about when COVID hit, there had to be such a big undertaking to make sure people were getting these meals right. Um, so we've got, we've got the housing, we've got the population change. So none of these things, if I was just living in my home but living the rest of my life outside i would have never come across these things or known that that's a problem or had a heart for it you know um i know sometimes we use gentrification as a a swear word or some people may say cuss wherever you're from but we say swear around here you know um but I, I, I personally, even though some others may, I don't blame the people moving in because they're just moving into places that are built and are available and there's a cost there, right? So they are my neighbors now too. Um, 
So I, you well, know. well, I mean, just hearing you talk, I mean, just like I, what I love is you're, you're an embodiment of exactly what we're talking about. You recognize all these things because that's home, you know, like, yeah. again, you're not, you're not just some professional, you know, that's, that's holed up in your apartment, only come out to grab the tea and go to work and then come home and, you know, uh, Uber eats in some, some cool meal and then go hang out at some brewery on the weekend somewhere. Right. No, I mean, like, you know your neighborhood. You know the challenges and the struggles. And I think that's part of the re- way the spirit works is helping us be awareness of brokenness, um, of things that aren't right or tensions that we see and, and calling us and trying to break our hearts for things that I think God wants our hearts to be broken towards. And again, if we don't know, if we've not slowed down, if we don't actually root ourselves where we're at, we're completely unaware. And we end up missing. We miss those moments. Uh, and also, I would even say a lot of times, I mean, I'm, I'm of the belief that God also has something to say to us from people on the margins, people that, that are in our neighborhood that we just, from a power dynamic, think that we just need to go help. And I actually think there's a lot of times God's actually saying, no, I wanted you to draw near to them because... Uh, I actually have something to say to you through them. Absolutely. And uh, we miss we miss both both who we can help and how we can be helped uh, because we're aware. And then we're we're obviously moving to participating, which is what you're already starting to hint at. That um, once we recognize this, like what do we do? Uh, how do we join the spirit? How do we you know join where God is? is already opening doors for us? How do we participate in our communities, in our neighborhoods? Um, so that, and, and to literally be able to answer, uh, I don't know if I've had any success, but I can look myself in the mirror and say, I've been obedient of following God where he's leading. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I know you're, you guys are processing this real time right now. So I'd be fascinated, like, what is this looking like to participate in ESTI? What are the things that you're wrestling with? And... And yeah, yeah. So I don't think there's a huge secret or, or magic idea or thought. You know, one of the things I've had to do is make myself available, as I have gotten to know people in the neighborhood, and as I've I've attended fundraisers. You know, there's a Christmas toy drive that happens at the hotel at the airport. You know. And we have five various 5Ks that are happening that are raising money for different organizations. Um, you know, when I need to buy a quick gallon of milk, maybe I just go to my corner store that's a walk up this block instead of driving to the grocery store. Just, you know, I had this in my notes, just thinking about what we're going to talk about. You know, being rooted, right, is living your life and having having all parts of your life branch out into what is surrounding right so how can i make sure that everything i'm doing is is part of the lifeblood of this neighborhood and and you know some of the things we've done me and my wife is you know my wife met made some friends um, early on when we had all of our oldest and today her and her friends have a nonprofit that they started from scratch that is meant to serve families of young children zero to five years old to provide opportunities for that you know it's called Easty family Easty family village association but it comes from the concept that it takes a village right to raise kids so they wanted to provide for moms all moms in our neighborhood 
an opportunity to meet other moms and create that village because so many people in in Boston may not have their family around because they they've moved from somewhere else. Um, for me, you know, I um, serve a, a nonprofit in our neighborhood where we are serving preschoolers, toddlers. We do an after school care. We have services for for seniors. We have um, stuff for teenagers after school and. And that was an opportunity that came about because of me being involved and meeting people. You know, it was like one person knows somebody else who knows somebody else. And and then I, I had a friend who became the executive director of this organization. I said, hey, just so you know, I actually went there as a kid. Like, if you ever need anything, I want to serve. I want to help. We need to put ourselves out there and offer. Because sometimes people are afraid to ask for help. But if we are, if we're, if we're you know, putting our money where our mouth is, if we're saying we want to serve, then we need to look for those opportunities or even sometimes create them by saying, hey, I see this need. Like, how can I insert myself or how can I participate with somebody who's already doing something and become a a part of a greater good? So there's, you know, so much need in our neighborhood. We can only do so much. I only have so much time in my life but I want to make sure that I'm very intentional about the things that I am participating in and that they are in, in any way impacting these things that I talk like food insecurity and, and, you know, the changing dynamics of the neighborhood and how do we maintain community in our neighborhood when now you've got like a disparity socioeconomically and, and, you know, stuff my wife is doing stuff that I'm doing at our nonprofit. These are very real questions we deal with. Mm-hmm. all the time and we and and we are serving right we're giving out food to families you know the organization that i'm in and um thinking about how can we give out grants to people who may not be as well off and, and need that child care right but then we think about how do we also have some of the kids of the really well-off parents like join our programs too and have kids don't know you know price tags kids don't know money kids just know hey this 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 boy or this girl they're really cool and I like them and I want to be friends with them and and that's how community is built right yeah. so how do we build community in our changing dynamics so these are all the things we're wrestling with and and I'm lucky to be able to participate in this in some of the solutions because I've put myself out there yeah no that's really good and I think you know almost what you're saying is exactly we want to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and I I think just be able to say hey I know where God has opened doors I know where the Spirit's leading. And I've been faithful in joining him there. You know, I know God has placed me in my neighborhood for, for a purpose. I see these ways that he's, he's broken my heart for something. And I know that with whatever I've got, whatever offering I have to, with my time and my talent and my treasure, I'm giving to, to be a part of this. I'm not responsible for the solu- like all the outputs or right. all the the fact that everything gets gets changed. I'm just responsible for my obedience and I'm following God where he's leading. You know, and you know very similarly like I mean there's some some nonprofits for us in our neighborhood, but even just like something that you mentioned, you know, that's not always uh, doesn't always feel like such a felt need right now like loneliness is a really big deal. I think God's probably calling a lot of us just to be like you know, great facilitators mm-hmm. of community so that yeah. people can be together and aren't by themselves. So I think there's a lot of ways that we can that we can notice them. I do think the key, and I think if you're listening to this, this is key, you need to be able to name it at some point. We talk a lot about just keeping a sent journal where you can just like be able to name like, 
To whom have I been sent? Can I name where God's opening doors? And have I been faithful in joining him there? And this isn't to shame ourselves or to like, like that God loves us more if we do or not. It's just more of the fact like this is, this is part of what God's called me to. And I, I want to be able to know that I'm, I'm joining him in the sweeping story that he's telling, that he's inviting me into uh, more than anything else. And if you know, you have to do, right? Which we got praxis coming up. Which is You cannot, if you know there's an issue and your heart's broken, I'm sorry. You can only run for so long. I know. I I tried, but you can't run. Well, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about, and I think this is an important thing, about our conscience being a part of sin. Like anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it. Yeah. And I think that in, and sometimes we, we frame that out in the wrong way, but I think it, it matters in conversations like this. Like God might be placing on your heart something different than mine. And my job isn't to look at someone else and to say, hey, am I doing what they're doing? My job is to say, have I followed through where the Spirit's calling me, what he's convicting me to do? And so that, yes, that I think that's an important conversation. Does lead in, you you. you uh, brought us there perfectly praxis. So if you can almost imagine a triangle of pace, presence, and participation that you're just constantly flowing into each other. Like I'm slowing down, trying to notice my surroundings and participate where God's opening doors, where I'm rooted. And I just keep doing that. I keep slowing myself down so that can happen. And then surrounding that triangle, they're all placed within a circle of praxis. Just I'm practicing the way of Jesus as all of that's going on. It's not theory, um, but as I'm doing this, I'm still like, if I'm not still uh, following Jesus in all areas of my life while I'm doing all this, it's kind of useless. No one's going to look at me and be like, why, you know, you don't look like Jesus. You don't reflect his his way. So yeah. um, we're actually trying to follow through. I want to be a person of truth. I want to be a person of mercy. I want to be a person of forgiveness. I want to be a person of justice. Um, you know, I want to be a person that embodies what I see Jesus embodying. Um, and so, yeah, I would be just, just fascinated. Like one of my favorite things, and maybe this would be a great place for us to kind of like wrap up our conversation that you talk a lot about is that you and Kim have tried to just be faithful, like not rushing, like anyone to any destination or not like, Hey, I, I got to know you and let me convert you. But you just, you've been kind of doing that triangle all the while, just trying to live kind of a curious, uh, I think Michael Frost calls it a questionable life. You're reducing questions, but you're not rushing anyone. And you're just, I'm just going to keep, I'm not got any agendas for anybody. I'm just going to keep practicing the way of Jesus, though, why I do this. So I'd be fascinated for you just to talk about what that's looked like of just be a person of just like, no matter what I do, I'm not in a rush. I'm just want to join God. I'm going to draw near to people and all the while try to live a questionable life, practice it. Yeah. So, you know, before I answer that question, one thing I wanted to to bring up is that, um, no, you're not allowed the way that, the way that, (laughs) the way that we avoid, um, just talking and not acting. I think the micro church is an awesome place for that because, you know, if I'm going to show up, two Fridays a month at Emmaus and talk to talk about all the needs and then I don't do anything then in that micro church there better be people who are gonna be like gonna call me out and be like yo fab it's a bunch of hot air man you're not doing anything yeah, yeah. right we need to have those people in our lives who can say that who can call out our bluffs and say that go do it 
you know, so that's my encouragement to folks is, is have people in your lives to hold you accountable for the things you're saying God's been calling you to do. Yeah. And you could do that's it in really grace. Good. I'm a little less graceful, but you can, <laughs> you can do it with grace as well. You know, you guys are laughing cause you know, I don't mince words, but as far as living these three things out in our neighborhood and the relationships we've been building, you know, we, um, we are open about our, our faith and we do the best we can. We are not perfect at it to live out the ways of Christ. And we've got so many friendships that we've developed where, um, you know, people know what we're about, but we're not, we're not friends with them because, hey, we need to convert them and move on and they're a project. We're friends with them because we love them, because our kids are best mm-hmm. friends, because they have hurts and they have pains and there are struggles that they go through and we want to be there for them because they are the Imago Dei. They are, you know, created in the image of God and, and they deserve love just like anyone else. And, um, you know, I'm going to continue to be faithful in these other ways so that when those hard time comes or when there are some questions right that they would want to turn to us and say hey what do you guys think about this or hey would you pray you know we have been asked to to pray for people in hard times and um that that's where i want to be you know it's not about just preaching some quippy little five minute thing and then raise your hand or don't raise your hand and, and pre, you know, pray and, and now you're good, you're going to heaven. But I think it's about people seeing who Christ is because there's been a lot of bad examples of what we say Christ is or what Christianity is. So there's there's a lot of deprogramming. You know, I think I mentioned it last time too. Boston used to be a very Catholic area and there's a lot of hurt there too. So th- there's a lot of... Um, people who may not be as trusting there's distrust right to to religion and to faith so we need to continue to be present and to live and to um, walk the walk you know like i've been talking about and my prayer is that someday you know people may may come to us and say hey we really want to know a lot more about what this thing is that impacts your life that makes you do these things that not everybody does that you know Mm -hmm makes you a little different and 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 really be able to like tear back tear down the the veil and and kind of expose like what our thoughts are you know but we're not in a hurry again you know you mentioned my pentecostal background you know but i think i think for all of us right like we have this concept that jesus is coming back yesterday so like who cares about today like you just gotta like seal the deal um I've just got to trust that God and his provenient grace is, is working in hearts and working in lives and that I am available in those moments in the spirits prompting to, to speak the right words, to, 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 to be available, to share however, you know, however it may be, you know, it doesn't have to be a perfect delivery of whatever it is. The spirit is the only one who can bring people to him anyway. So that's what we've done and that's what we're going to continue to do and maybe there will be some like oh we had this one conversation somebody gave their lives you know but i i've found in my experience that that is not common at all and if if we come in expecting that then we're going to be let down a little bit 
That's really good. When I think what you're hinting at, I think really what all of this is about is uh, beyond become, like ministry being more in the vein of Jesus, being what it was initially meant to be, not this fast-paced, McDonaldized version of our faith that we're slowing down and joining the Spirit. We're not just doing things and claiming God did it. You know, we're really trying to join where the Spirit is moving. But also, it's also just recognizing the season uh, and the times that we're in. And I think the trust of Christians in faith has never been lower in our culture. And I was just yeah. even, uh, I tweeted, I retweeted today, um, Diane Langberg uh, had this to say. She said, trauma is the mission field of our time. And I just continue to be overwhelmed. And there's lots of areas of trauma. I think we're dealing with a lot of it just socially and, you know, so much anxiety and so many different things. But also just, I think there's a lot of religious trauma. Yep. And I continue to meet people who have gone through painful things, either in the church or associated with Christians. And so I think some of this is just being more humble and saying, I, I realize in love that this can't go fast for you. You don't have trust. And I'm willing to go as slow as I need to and, and just, just continue to care for you until you feel okay having that conversation or being willing to trust me. And hopefully, I mean, we have, Bree and I have these conversations all the time where people will say, I never expected a Christian to be like you. And those are the moments where like, you know, like, okay, you know, there's a lot of things I'm getting wrong, but I'm at least getting that right. And that's why we, we try to do the practice over theory thing of just, I'm going to continue just to embody these, the way of Jesus. I don't always have to slap a Jesus sticker on it while I do it, but I'm just going to keep doing it. And hopefully eventually I get the opportunity. I've earned the right to be heard, to connect the dots, um, out of that. The spirit does the early work. Where they ask the question and I and I get to do so. Well, look, that's because we think information and you know it kind of goes with that theory. This is our Western mindset. We think that information causes change, when in fact it's change that leads to discovery of information. And, yeah. and are we sa- to, are we safe people for them right, to even like right? To, yeah. Exactly. They need to see that. They need to trust us. We need to be there for the birthdays. We need to be there for the heartache we need to be there for the celebrations for the new jobs for the weddings for the new births delivering food when they're sick again not with this bait and switch concept of to make them christians but yes that would be amazing but they're also humans they're the they're god's creation and you know we love them and we're in relationship with them and we're not shy about why we are who we are but we're also not shoving it down anybody's throat either. So, no, that's a good word. Well, I I hope uh, as if you've been listening to this, this has been uh, fruitful for you. Again, uh, those those four P's that we're talking about is just pace, pace. <laughs> Don't throw me off because I totally would. Pace, presence, participation, and praxis. And again, if you've not actually gone through our coaching pathway or you're just interested in partnering with Renaissance, we actually teach you a lot more than even we're talking about what it looks like to actually embody that and do it in your neighborhood. So, Fab, thank you for the time. And uh, until our next episode, hopefully uh, you can put some of this into practice and actually join God in the everyday stuff of life right where he has you. Go out and do something. (laughs) There you go.